0: War is not the answer Never was, never will We will never live in peace Unless and until We learn to love each other Not bomb, maim, and kill Cause war is not the answer Never was and never will Think of all the weapons We make around the world Investing brains and money In the best ways how to kill If we could use that money Hello, my name is Julie with Massachusetts Peace Action and you're listening to Peace Zone. Peace Zone is a series featuring a wide variety of expert speakers who all want the same thing. Peace, we'll do our best to keep you up to date with the most pressing issues of injustice. This week's episode comes from the Building Sustainable Security Conference that happened November 21st. In this segment, Harris Grumman, Co-Chair of Raise Up Massachusetts and the Executive Director of SEIU Massachusetts State Council will speak on the income inequality in Massachusetts.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters, uh, as we say in the union movement, and um, I... Uh, I would like to start. Does anybody remember the book "What's the Matter with Kansas" by Thomas Frank? Does anybody remember that book? That was uh, back in 2006. This journalist, Thomas Frank, wrote a book following the uh, George Bush's reelection. He was motivated to write uh, about the problem of why a state like Kansas, where most people are really struggling to survive uh, on very limited incomes, was voting from city council all the way up to President of the United States for people who are directly opposed to their economic interests. And he said, well, you know, okay, this is a big problem. We've all heard that problem and can imagine what we think about it. But he came, uh, dropped by earlier this year at my office to talk to me about a new book he's writing called, What's the Matter with... Massachusetts. And I think, as uh, Nadine pointed out, there is a problem with Massachusetts and Cambridge, even more so perhaps, that is uh, actually more relevant to what we're talking about today than what's the matter with Kansas. So, what is the matter with Massachusetts? The Globe uh, did a study a couple of years ago and they asked if Massachusetts were a nation, how rich would it be? And it turned out it would be the fourth richest nation in the world, after Norway, Luxembourg, and Singapore. Now, that's maybe good news for us, but the bad news is the University of Wisconsin says we have the same level of income inequality in Massachusetts as the state of Mississippi. So if we're the fourth richest nation in the world, why Mississippi? Why not Norway? I mean, Norway has a much higher level of shared prosperity, a much broader middle class. We're, we're not aspiring to what we're capable of doing with our resources. So the answer to that is pretty simple. It's, we have a very unbalanced economy. People have already referred to it. The top 1% have gained almost all income and wealth gains of the past 40 years have been going to the top 1%. And uh, that is... You know, unbalancing our economy in a very drastic way. But it was not always that way. Uh, You know, for the 40 years preceding that, we were building shared prosperity in this country through the union movement and through government transfers to progressive taxation. And, I mean, I was born in the middle of that period, 1959. And that was a very different time where we were aspiring to much greater things than we are now on the economic level. And I'm going to make a point that that has an effect on everything else. But I mean, I really like the way Thomas Piketty put it in his book uh, on capital in the 21st century. He said that period of shared prosperity in America and Europe was the only period, that 40 years was the only period, the only generation, you could almost say, or two generations in human history where it mattered more what you did for work and how you educated yourself than whether you inherited or married into wealth. The only time in human history, and it's over, we're no longer in that period. We're back in a period where it's more important what you inherit or how much money you marry into than what you do in your life for work and thinking and developing yourself. That's a pretty drastic change and a very disturbing one. So. We're here to talk about three big issues. They're all very interrelated. I think uh, it's clear that inequality of power and wealth are very uh, uh, crucially connected to environmental destruction and militarism. I think everybody in this room would probably see those as deeply connected. I have maybe a more controversial point to make, which is the order in which you have to address these things somewhat. Uh, It's not an either or, but it is uh, a strategic point, I think, worth making. The nations with the greatest shared prosperity, I mean Norway, if you like, do the most about climate change and militarism as nations in the world right now. There is a reason for that. When people are struggling just to survive, when workers are struggling just to put food on their table, Global crises like militarism and climate change recede into the background of necessity. And that's something that is very perilous to the world when that happens. So it's very important that we at least need to be promoting and fighting for a world of shared prosperity if we are to convince working people that these other crises are as imminent to them as the daily struggle for survival is. It doesn't mean we have to solve those problems, but we have to show that we're committed to solving them and make real progress towards solving them. So I think you would agree, when lives and families are sustainable, it's possible to think about global sustainability. And we need to sort of address those things in a clear way if we want to make progress. So I'm I'm also representing Raise Up <clears throat> Massachusetts today, which uh, the Service Employees International Union and the Teachers Union and many of the organizations that people are involved in this room have been uh, making happen. And uh, we are trying to address this question of shared prosperity in a very broad and powerful way. And and I think the way to think about it is building shared prosperity in Massachusetts from the bottom up by raising wages and benefits, and we did that over the last two years by winning the highest minimum wage, statewide minimum wage in the United States, and by passing the best mandatory sick time policy at the statewide level in the United States in two years. So that was a big accomplishment we also have to do it from the top down as chuck was saying we have to ask the top one percent and the top uh one tenth of one percent to pay their fair share into this system into the society and then we have to use that revenue to build from the middle out by investing in jobs Uh, through transportation and other things, and through uh, education, teaching uh, early education, public schools, public higher education should be debt free for everybody in America. So we're working on those things right now. So I was also asked, though, uh, what kind of social movement do we need to build this? And I would say there are three pillars on which we build this social movement. And they're not the three pillars that have been mentioned so far, which are issue pillars uh, you know, of, uh, of justice and uh, anti-militarism or peace and uh, environmental protection or you know, a, a safe environment. It's actually, I like to think, in institutional terms. For me, the three pillars are labor, community, and faith. And the reason I say that is because those are institutional places where people organize themselves. And I'll give you an example. When you organize people where they work through their union and where they live through their community group and where they worship through their congregation, you are organizing people broadly, a majority coalition, and in depth. And I say in depth because there's a lot of overlap with those institutions. I mean, I have a member, Wilfredo and Lynn, who said to me one day, Uh, Harris, I belong, through my congregation at St. Stephen's, I belong to the ECHO Interfaith Organization. In my neighborhood in Ward 4, I belong to Neighbor to Neighbor, my community group. And as a worker, a Medicaid worker, I belong to SEIU 1199. that guy can tell you about any issue we're talking about today as articulately as any of us. He understood money in politics. He understands climate disaster. He understands uh, you know, the fight for, uh, for a peace in the world. But it's because he's touched in all those places, and he really is involved those ways. And I think Chuck made a good point that you know, the kind of environmentalism that he described fighting that pipeline is community. It's an institutionally-based where... It's not just an issue, and that's what makes it so powerful. So uh, I think we really need to build a movement like that. Uh, you know, That would build it in depth and breadth, and that would be the basis for recognizing all of our interconnectedness on having a peaceful, sustainable, secure, and economically you know, a prosperous world for everybody. So thank you very much for having me today.
0: Thank you, Harris Gruman, for featuring in the second segment of Building Sustainable Security. For more information about upcoming events, visit www.masspeaceaction.org. Thanks for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.